Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and I'm flying solo tonight. I was thinking for today's show, do something a little bit different, and I've always enjoyed telling stories. And and today's topic is Native American star stories. Every now and then on the show, I've mentioned how I used to work at a planetarium. And if any of you have ever been to a planetarium, I did that for a living for a few years in my life. So I'm sure some of you out there have probably seen a live star show where you've got a person up and usually in the front of the dome and he's got a laser pointer and he's pointing out the constellations like, okay, here's the big dipper. Here's a little dipper. And, you know, maybe here's where you can see Mars tonight. I used to do that a lot. I enjoyed giving star shows and over the years I've collected lots of little tidbits of information about star stories stories that people long ago told about the stars and the things that they saw in the night sky. And I'm going to share some of my Native American legends today, some of my favorite ones. Now, a lot of the constellations that we see in the sky are named after monsters or heroes or things from usually Greek or Roman mythology. So people are usually a little bit more familiar with those stories Now, as you get to the Southern Hemisphere, though, the constellations become a little different. When you're talking about any of the 88 officially recognized constellations, the ones recognized by the International Astronomers Union or International Astronomical Union, the IAU, I I don't remember exactly what the A stands for, whether it's astronomers or astronomical, but anyways... When you look at some of the officially recognized constellations in the Southern Hemisphere, they take a little different theme than the ones in the North, where, as in the Northern Hemisphere, we see a lot of uh, constellations based on you know, Greek and Roman mythology. A lot of the ones in the Southern Hemisphere are based off of scientific instruments, like there's one for a telescope and a forge, and there's one for a compass, and... I know there's a few that are related to mythology, like there is a constellation for the Argo, and then there is also, I know, a southern constellation of the Centaur, but again, a lot of these constellations are made or named after scientific instruments, and I think part of the reason for that is when European explorers started to venture into the southern hemisphere, you know, they either never had the chance to learn some of the star stories of the people who were indigenous to that part of the world, or they just never bothered to learn them. So, of course, there are many stories about those constellations as well, but uh, like a lot of people in the Northern Hemisphere, if you took me and put me in the Southern Hemisphere... I might be able to recognize a few constellations, but (laughs) I would be lost. Um, I'm a lot more familiar with the northern constellations. And whenever I would give star stories, I would tell a few of the Greek legends, but I always enjoyed telling the Native American stories, and especially when I was working with the younger visitors, because some of the Greek legends have violence in them and you don't always want to talk about that when you're 
talking with the younger kids. But a lot of it, you also, well, especially when you're getting into some of the Greek legends, eh, there's a little bit of a little bit of lechery going on there. Anyone who's read anything about Greek mythology, if if you've learned something, it's probably that, well, let's just say Zeus is less than an ideal husband. He's not very faithful to poor Hera, and he he gets around, and you know he's had children with uh, mortal women, like for example, Hercules, of course, is one of his sons, and I believe Perseus was one of his sons. Uh, the Gemini twins, Castor and Pollux, and you know, of course, there's others as well. But usually, a lot of the Native American legends didn't have those. Uh, those themes in it. So they were always good to tell to the younger kids. And I'd like to share some of them with you. Now let's start by talking about one of the most well-known constellations, Ursa Major, the Great Bear. And if you look at any illustrated star map, these are maps that not just show the stars, but also show an artistic representation of the constellation you'll notice that a lot of times the great bear is shown as having a long tail. And there's both Greek and Native American legends I've heard that explain that, but not all Native Americans describe that bear as having a long tail. There was one tribe that saw the great bear as a bear being chased by three hunters. It was said these three hunters went out to go get food for the coming winter, and they saw a huge bear. So the first hunter drew his bow and took a shot at the bear. He hit the bear in the side, but the wound wasn't very serious, and the bear was afraid, so it started to run away. Well, the three hunters did not want to return to their village empty-handed, so they chased after the bear, and they kept chasing him until they, the chase led them into the sky. It's said that the hunt continues to this day as the bear keeps going around the northern sky and how uh, the three hunters never get close enough to take a second shot. It's said, though, in the fall, something unusual happens. When the great bear is low in the sky, the arrow wound on the bear's side opens up and spills blood onto the trees and causes them to turn red and brown. That's how some Native American tribes described and watched for the coming of autumn. Another little interesting factoid about the Great Bear is some Native American tribes used that constellation as a way to test their children's eyesight. Specifically, we have to look at the three stars that form the Great Bear's tail, or the handle of the dipper, or the three hunters. Now, if you look carefully at the second star, that star is called Miser. And there's a smaller star near it called Elcor. And some Native Americans use that to test their children's eyesight. They believed that if your eyes were good enough to see that smaller, dimmer star, your eyes were good enough for you to become a hunter. The next story I'd like to tell is one of my favorite ones. And I would often tell this story when I began one of my live star shows. Because... It made a real big impression, especially on the younger audiences. So this is the Navajo story of the stars, why we have them. 
It was said that long ago, there was only enough sunlight to last for half of the day. In the morning, the sun would rise in the east, and the skies would be bright and blue. But the sun would then travel across the sky, and as the sun began to set in the west, the blue skies of day gave way to the red skies of evening. And then the red skies of evening gave way to the blackness of night. It was dark, and the people were afraid because they would get lost and they couldn't find their way home. So they went to Great Spirit and they asked for help. And he said to them, Go down to the river and collect all the bright shining stones you find there and bring them to me. The people did as Great Spirit had asked. They brought the stones before Great Spirit and he said, From now on, these stones will be called stars. And in the north, I shall place a single star that will never move. Look for it if you are lost, and you'll always be able to find your way. It will be called the Home Star. Great Spirit then said, Now I would like you to take the rest of the stars, go into the sky, and draw pictures of yourselves. The people did as Great Spirit had asked. But the stars were very heavy, and the people could only carry a few of them at a time. So Great Spirit took the rest of the stars and put them into a bag, and asked the coyote to help the people draw their pictures. Well, Coyote did this, but he was not very patient, and he told the people to hurry up and to work faster, but the people couldn't work fast enough for him. So in his impatience, Coyote opened up the bag of stars and threw them across the night sky. And this is why you'll notice that, as you look upon the stars, some of these star pictures or constellations appear unfinished, and also why some stars are not in a constellation. Well, Coyote then realized that there were no more stars left in the bag, he also realized that he had not yet drawn his own picture. So in his sadness, Coyote howled at the night sky. And now and forever, Coyotes howl at the night sky because their picture is not there. So that was always one of my favorite stories because... What I would do is we had a special effect program for our our star projector where it would first bring up the North Star and then it would slowly bring up the rest of the stars. So when I mention about Great Spirit placing a home star, it would just have that. And then I'd have to remember to pause the effect. And then when I mentioned Coyote throwing the bag of stars across the sky, all the other stars would slowly come up and that always got a really, really wonderful reaction from the, the children. And I always smiled when that happened. And, you know, the kids were start going, ooh and ah. And, well, they couldn't see me smiling because it was a dark, of course. But anyways, like I said, always one of my favorite stories. Well, let's talk now about the moon. And there's a lot of different interpretations for what the dark patches on the moon are supposed to be. 
Many of us are familiar with the story of the man on the moon, that supposedly it looks kind of like a man's face. It doesn't take too much imagination, though, to see those dark markings as a rabbit. And I believe in, I think, Japan and some of the other places in the southern hemisphere, they actually do see it as a rabbit. And it's easier to see because we have to remember is when you're in the, the northern hemisphere, the moon, well, when you're if you're native to the northern hemisphere and you go into the southern hemisphere, the moon is going to look upside down to you. And on the same token, if you are from the southern hemisphere and you venture north, uh, yeah, again, the moon is going to it's going to look upside down to you, so it's going to look kind of strange. But again, not too hard to see a rabbit there. Some Native Americans, though, thought that those dark patches were actually two frogs. So here is the, the story of the Frog Sisters on the Moon. Long ago, in a swamp, there lived two beautiful young women named the Frog Sisters. Not far from the Frog Sisters lived two young men, the Snake and the Beaver. One day, the Snake went to the house of the Frog Sisters and said, asked if one of them would marry him. Well, they said no, and they called him bad names like Slimy Fellow and Fork Tongue. Well, Snake didn't really, he wasn't really too happy about that, and they hurt his feelings, so he went home and he started to cry. Well, the next day, the beaver went to the frog sisters and asked if one of them would marry him. But they said no and called him names like Big Belly and Bucktooth and Flapper Tail. And again, this hurt the beaver's feelings, so he also went home and cried. Well, his father went up to him and said, Don't cry. It'll rain too hard if you do cry too much. But poor Beaver's feelings were hurt so bad that he continued to cry. And sure enough, it soon began to rain. And it rained so hard that the swamp was flooded and the Frog Sisters were washed away from their home. Well, the Frog Sisters had nowhere to go. So they went to the homes of Snake and Beaver and asked each one of them if one of them could marry his son. But each father said, No! You called my son bad names. The flood continued, and the frog sisters were washed to the house of the moon. It was said in those days, the moon had a very clear, handsome face. And he was also a very kind soul. He invited the frog sisters into his house so they could sit by the fire and warm themselves. But the frog sisters said, We don't want to sit by your fire. We want to sit on your forehead. And with that, the Frog Sisters jumped up onto the moon's face and spoiled his good looks. And it's said we can still see the Frog Sisters there today, sitting on the face of the moon. Now the next story I'd like to tell isn't necessarily about the stars, but it is still one of my favorite stories, and it's the story of why we have the Four Seasons. It was said that long ago, there was a wise man, and the great spirit had showed him the many pathways of the sun. Some paths would make things hot, other paths would make things cold. 
The wise man guided the sun across the sky for many years, but he was getting older and he knew he couldn't do this forever. Now, the wise man had four children, all of them boys, and he decided he would pass on the responsibility of caring for the sun to one of his children. So he proposed a test. He would give each boy the same amount of time to do with the sun as he pleased. And at the end of a year, he would listen to what the people on the earth had to say, and then he would decide which one of his sons should guide the sun. First was the youngest boy, and he was a gentle child. He slowly guided the sun across the sky, and as he guided the sun across the sky, he would often stop to smell the flowers and sing with the birds and admire the trees. And if the world became too hot, he would call the wind man and the rain man to bring forth their gentle breezes and cooling rain. The earth turned green. And these were the days of spring. Then came time for the second boy to have his turn with the sun. The second boy was also a gentle child. As he slowly guided the sun across the sky, he often stopped to admire the many things his brother had did. He also stopped to smell the flowers and sing with the birds and admire the trees. But the second boy was lazy, and he would sometimes fall asleep. And as he fell asleep, the sun wandered into the path in the sky that would make things hot. And since he was spending so much time sleeping, he wasn't telling the wind man or the rain man what to do. So there was less wind and less rain. The earth became warmer and turned yellow. And these were the days of summer. Then came time for the next boy to have his chance with the sun. Now this boy was not like his brothers. He was a cruel and mean child. So he told the sun to take a further path that would make things colder. And he would also make the wind man and the rain man work very hard. And when the wind man couldn't work fast enough for him, he beat the wind man with a stick. And wind man was afraid, so he flew close to the earth to hide. And as he flew down to the earth, his wind caused the leaves on the trees to dry up and fall. And the animals became frightened and they ran away and they went into hiding. And the earth, once yellow, turned brown. And these were the days of autumn. Then came time for the oldest boy to have his chance with the sun. The oldest boy was also a very mean and cruel child. He told the sun to take a path that would make things even colder. And he also made the wind man and the rain man work very hard. And they worked so hard. And since the world was so cold, what fell from the sky was not soft and gentle, but hard and cold. 
and the earth was covered with snow, and the world, once brown, turned white. And these were the days of winter. A year had passed, and it was now time for the wise man to make his decision. He listened to what the people of the world had to say. Some liked one brother, others liked another. No one could agree upon which boy should guide the son. Now the wise man knew he couldn't please everybody, so he decided that things should go on as they just did. So he decided that every year each of his four children should get their time to do with the son as he pleased. And that is how some Native American tribes explained why we have the Four Seasons. Well, the last story I'd like to tell today is from, I believe it's the Tiwa tribe. And this is a story about the constellation Orion the Hunter. Now, according to their legends, Orion was a hero called Longsash, named for the long belt he wore. And when you look at the stars that form Orion's belt and his sword that hangs from it, it's easy to see that as a long sash that you might tie around your waist. Well, it's said that Long Sash was a very wise and well-loved chieftain. He led his people in a time of great peace and prosperity. But then there came a time of troubles. Their crops died, there was drought and sickness, and they were being attacked by their enemies. The people went to Long Sash, and they said, Lead us away from here. Lead us away from this bad place before we all die. Long Sash thought for a moment and said, My people, times are bad now, but they may yet improve. If you wish to go on a journey to find a new place to call home, the way will be long and difficult and dangerous. Stop, think, ask yourselves, do you want to take that risk? But the people were firm. They wanted to be led away. So Long Sash led them on a dangerous journey. And as they traveled across the sky, they took a road that we now know as the Milky Way. Well, as they were traveling, though, sometimes his people would argue and they would get into fights. Sometimes they would even start to hit each other. This made Long Sash very sad. He said to his people, Stop. You are hurting each other worse than your enemies have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build two campfires. And whenever you have a problem with one of your brothers or sisters, go to these two campfires. Sit down, talk about your problems, and find a way to solve them. And these two campfires are the stars, Castor and Pollux, that we now see in the constellation Gemini, the twins. Now you'll notice that one of the stars is a little bit brighter than the other. And that's because it was said Long Sash wanted to remind his people that sometimes 
two paths in the future might look about equally bright, and sometimes one path looks a little bit brighter or a little bit easier. However, that easier path isn't always the best path to take. Well, the people continued on their journey until they reached a land that was so new and so mysterious, not even Longsash had seen it before. This was the middle place, Earth, and it would be their new home. Well, as the years passed, Longsash grew older, and he knew he couldn't be with his people forever. So he said, I will leave my headdress in the sky as a bright, comforting cluster of stars. And whenever you needed to be reminded of my wisdom or my teachings, look upon these stars and think of me. And it was said that that bright cluster of stars is the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters. And it was said even as Longsash passed away, he still continued to remain in the sky to watch over his people as the constellation we now call Orion the Hunter. Oh yes, and one last story, and this one, just because it kind of really ties into the Pleiades. Uh, There's another Native American story. I forgot what tribe it's from, but it's from the American Southwest. And there is a famous geological land feature called Devil's Tower. Now, Devil's Tower is located in Wyoming. And the Native American name for this this rock formation translates something to the effect of Bear Lodge. And there's actually several different stories about this this rock formation that have to do with bears. Now, uh, Devil's Tower is the remains of an ancient volcano. And if you look at any close-up pictures of Devil's Tower, you'll see that it looks like a lot of columns just kind of smashed together. So it's a very interesting geological formation. Now, according to some Native American legends, it was said that long ago there were a group of sisters that went out to play. While they were out playing in the forest, they were seen by a huge bear, and the bear started to chase the girls. Well, the girls climbed on top of a huge rock for uh, protection, but this bear kept scratching at the rock, so the girls prayed to Great Spirit for help. So Great Spirit made the rock even bigger. But the bear kept clawing and clawing at this rock, trying to get at these girls. Well, the Great Spirit made the rock even bigger, but he realized that the bear was not going to give up. So he took the girls and put them in the night sky as the constellation of the Pleiades. And as for the scratch marks, that's how they described why Devil's Tower has its unusual looking rock formations around it. So so it's really not too hard to imagine some huge animal scraping at a giant rock and leaving all those, those markings. Well, I hope you enjoyed this show. And again, a little different from my usual show. Uh, not really talking too much about gaming topics, but 
Who knows? Maybe you might find some of these stories inspiring. So if you are maybe introducing a culture in your campaign that's inspired by Native Americans, you know, maybe you might want to turn to some of these stories for inspiration if you're trying to flesh out some of the details about that culture. Because let's face it, every culture in the world is going to have its myths and legends. So who's to say that? Different cultures in a fantasy campaign couldn't have their myths and legends as well. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming.